0: Hey, it's Ben. You're listening to Word of Mouth from New Hampshire Public Radio. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know we are preparing to jump into a new series about New Hampshire's North Country. Now, here at the show, we like to see things with our own eyes, so we're taking a road trip across the North Country. It's going to be great, and we want you to tell us where we should go and what we should do. We're looking for the best delis, the best karaoke bars, gas stations, antique stores, everything. Everything. We also wanna hear what questions you have about the North Country. We'll try to answer them, whether it's a big economic question, like, is the tourism economy gonna to hold up in the future? Or a small personal question, like, how do you make friends in a small town? You can send us your questions or recommendations at wordofmouth at Word nhpr.org, wordofmouth, Okay, on with the show. Today, a story about an unsung hero of government. The Humble County. Every state has counties, but why? What is a county? Daniela Allee takes it from here.
1: Stu Wallace teaches New Hampshire history at a college in Concord. In his classes, cover the New Hampshire primary, 1960s politics, local government, including towns and counties.
2: When I ask students about counties, uh, I usually get a blank stare. uh, And very few of them have any idea what counties do.
1: And this mystery around counties isn't just limited to college students. Linda Lauer gets asked by folks in her town what she does for Grafton County all the time.
3: Uh, Counties in New Hampshire are probably the little forgotten part of government.
1: Hello and welcome to Civics 101 New Hampshire. Today on the show, we're talking about counties. New Hampshire has 10 of them, but what does this forgotten part of our government do? And what role does it play in our day-to-day lives? Counties have sort of been an afterthought in New Hampshire since it was a colony. People lived here in the 1640s, but towns and townships were the primary form of local government. We didn't get counties until nearly 130 years later. It's the 60s, 1760s, and New Hampshire's population is booming.
2: People are pouring into the lakes region. They're going up into the upper valley. Uh, Suddenly, New Hampshire is, is covering the map with brand new towns.
1: Soon after, three quarters of the New Hampshire towns we know and love today were in existence. But even with all these settlers moving further north and west, Portsmouth was a colonial capital, the hub of New Hampshire colonial life. People had to make their way over to the seacoast for jury duty, to go to court, to take care of all their government business. And the people way out in the Upper Valley and the Lakes region. So
2: we're saying, hey, wait a minute. This is a major gripe for us to have to send somebody from, say, Hanover or Haverhill all the way down to Portsmouth just to be a juror or to file a deed or whatever.
1: These towns decided enough is enough. There has to be a way to handle local business, well, more locally. So the lower house of the Colonial Assembly got together and
2: petitioned uh, to have the state divided into four counties,
1: but the bigwigs in the governor's council, who all lived in the Portsmouth area, were like, "Mm, no,
2: they thought it was just fine that everybody had to come to Portsmouth and stay in their taverns and eat their food and they didn't have to go anywhere.
1: So the lower house said, let's do three counties. But the council said, how about two? After some back and forth, the province of New Hampshire was divided into five counties. Basically, a county is a geographic boundary. In New Hampshire, they were drawn along the already existing town lines. So by 1769, Cheshire, Rockingham, Grafton, Belknap, and Stratford counties were in place, named after some English noblemen friends of the governor. These new counties meant farmers wouldn't have to take several days off to make their way out to Portsmouth on foot or on horseback. Instead, folks could head to their own county system, like North Haverhill in Grafton County, or Keene in Cheshire County, to deal with land deeds and any justice issues. Five more counties were drawn up in the next 80 years. Coas, Sullivan, Merrimack, Hillsborough, and Carroll. And that's what we have today, 10 separate counties, Each is a little different geographically, demographically, even culturally, one might say. Hillsborough County, for example, is home to about a quarter of the state's 1.3 million people. It's where the cities of Nashua and Manchester are located. Coas County, on the other hand, I hear they have more moose than people. The state legislature gives counties limited responsibilities. So counties in this state don't have a lot of power. Your only interaction with the county might be when you buy and sell a house. It's a county that records and keeps property deeds. Linda Lauer, who is a Grafton County Commissioner, says there's a reason counties are the ones in charge of running the jail, nursing home, and registry of deeds. Back behind the scenes, there are
3: a lot of things that it financially doesn't make sense for the towns to try to handle. Uh, and, And a good example would be a nursing home or the Department of Corrections. It just financially doesn't make sense to do those on a town-to-town basis. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense to just do it on a state basis because they really are local operations. And that's where the county steps in.
1: For all the machinery in local government to run smoothly, you need counties, something that's bigger than a town but smaller than the state. So say if every town had a jail, there'd be way too many. And the quality of the jail would depend on how much money a town could allocate. It might cost a lot for a town to start their own drug court. And the state would be way too big to make sure that could run effectively. Carrying out those responsibilities falls on the county commissioners. Each county elects three of these folks, and you can think of them as the executive branch or the CEOs of the county. In Grafton, the commissioners serve two-year terms. Other counties have different term lengths. They're typically two or four years long, depending where you are.
3: County commissioners are responsible for personnel and financial management of all the county
1: operations. But that's mainly it. Counties don't have a legislative branch. They're not creating laws or policies. Only the state and towns have the power to do that. So you can think of counties as having a judicial branch and an executive branch. The judicial branch handles jails and courts. The executive runs the nursing home, registry of deeds, employee and personnel issues, and they have to find the money to make sure those are all running. Putting the annual county budget together is one of the jobs that takes the most time for Linda and the two other Grafton County commissioners. It's in February that that process really gets going. The commissioners sit down with each department head from nursing home, jail, the county attorney's office. They will each
3: come in and, and spend time with, with the commissioners and with, the, um, with our county administrator. We will go through the budget line item by line item and try to get justification, uh, see what what we think is critical, what isn't critical.
1: Then they meet with the employee council, which represents the 400 people who work for Grafton County. A big part of that meeting concerns salaries for the next year.
3: Uh, They certainly want some say-so in their cost of living increase.
1: And after all of those meetings, the commissioners put a draft budget together. And they have a public meeting about it because, well, you pay county taxes if you own property in that county.
3: On your property tax bill, there will be a line for county tax. It typically is fairly small, typically well under 10 percent of your total tax bill. So if
1: you live in Lebanon, the biggest city in Grafton County, the total tax rate is about $30 per $1,000 of valuation. Lebanon gets about 10 bucks of that, and the county, just two. So some folks might pay more attention to what happens in their city or town than what happens at the county. Because in Linda's experience, Grafton's public hearings don't get big crowds. It was
3: so disappointing last year when we had our public budget hearing, knowing that we're impacting the county taxpayers. And I looked out into the room and I had two newspaper reporters one state rep, and his wife, who was a social service agency asking for money.
1: You might think the budget process ends here. After all, Linda and the other commissioners have talked to pretty much everyone. They have drafts and charts and Excel sheets at the ready. But the commissioners don't actually hold the county's purse strings. That power rests with the county delegation.
2: And the county delegation are the elected members of the House of Representatives in that county.
1: That's right. The folks you elected to represent you at the State House in Concord have a big say about what happens in your county. Each county has an executive committee that's made up of a few state reps. The
3: county commissioners meet with that executive committee at least every two months. And we bring them up to speed on where we are financially. uh, How do our expenses look compared to where they should be? How is revenue looking? uh, Do we have any major facility issues that are coming down?
1: So once the commissioners have put a draft budget together and have had their public hearings, they send the budget to the executive committee. And then the process sort of starts all over again. Department heads and county commissioners sit in front of the committee
3: and go through, they ask all of their questions, they ask justification, Um, the commissioners, we try to explain why we supported it or why we didn't support it.
1: The executive committee can add money or cut money where it sees fit to. And once they have a draft, all 27 Grafton County delegates get together at the end of June to vote on whether or not to approve the budget. And unlike the state budget, nobody can veto the budget the delegation passes they get the last word.
3: Our job as commissioners is to manage the budget they give us and to tell them what we think the budget should be.
1: They also set the salaries of the county's elected officials. So if you look at how much you're paying in county taxes, there are two pretty big budget items those dollars go to, the nursing home and the county jail. All 10 counties have one of these nursing homes. Grafton spent about $3 million on it last year. But why do counties have this type of elder care?
3: It actually grew out of the old poorhouses.
1: If you don't know what a poorhouse is, it was a publicly funded place in the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries where folks struggling to make ends meet would be forced to live. They were often considered the undeserving poor. They would get food and shelter, often at the cost of grueling work on a farm or factory.
3: Uh, there was, an, in some of the very, very old Grafton County annual reports, you'll have the names of the poor that were housed here. And somehow the poor houses transitioned into a nursing home.
1: After the 13th Amendment passed and involuntary servitude was outlawed, people were no longer forced to be in poorhouses. And by the 20th century, reforms were made to these places. More specific institutions were established for children and the mentally ill. And the people left in the poorhouses were the elderly. Then comes the Social Security Act of 1935, which said aid would not be provided to poor houses. So public officials moved the elderly left in those homes to private boarding homes. And those eventually became the precursors to the nursing homes we know today. Nowadays, there are 135 beds in the Grafton County nursing home and the place is almost at capacity with 126 people staying there as of February of this year. Many of the residents there are on Medicaid, the government program that assists low income families or individuals. A lot
3: of the money that comes in is from uh, Medicaid and Medicare reimbursement from the nursing home.
1: And as New Hampshire's population gets older,
3: Um, there's more and more need. Uh, It's expensive. Nursing homes are expensive.
1: The second big budget item is the county jail. This is where prisoners serve out sentences for misdemeanors. That usually means a sentence of less than a year. Or if they don't have enough money to make bail, they wait in jail until they get a hearing. And now bail, to clarify, is basically a payment you make to the court if you want to get out of jail after you're arrested. Last year, Grafton County Jail averaged about 83 inmates per day, according to the Department of Corrections annual report. A lot of the inmates work on the county farm. Grafton has the only remaining county farm in New Hampshire, and these farms used to employ people in the poorhouse. Grafton's County Farm has a dairy operation, a small pickery, a tree stand, and a farm stand. Some of the food even goes to the nursing home and the Department of Corrections, as well as to a food pantry and some local schools.
3: We actually have uh, inmates that run our farm stand during the summer. They handle all the cash, they they do everything. So it's a good learning experience for the inmates.
1: But they aren't paid for their labor.
3: They get fresh air and a chance to talk to their buddies. and get away from the TV.
1: County jails in New Hampshire and across the country have had to face a growing opioid crisis. Oftentimes, county jails are serving as the main mental health facility for communities. And there have been efforts to divert people who have substance use disorders from jails. Often, that takes the form of drug court.
3: Uh, rather than put them into the jail, uh, taking them away from their families, away from their homes, away from their jobs. Uh, They went into a a drug court program under, they saw the the judge every week, they got counseling, they had drug testing on a random basis. Um, Pretty intensive program.
1: Drug court is primarily funded by the state, but for it to really work, the judges and caseworkers and police all need to be a part of the community. And that's one reason why drug court is administered at the county level. The key player in helping Grafton County become the second in the state to have drug court was the county attorney. In other parts of the country, they're known as district attorneys. And in New Hampshire, you elect these attorneys. This position has major influence over the local criminal justice system, in part because they're the ones in charge of prosecuting crimes and deciding how they'll charge people. Because the
3: county attorney is the one that has to make the offer. These are not programs that anybody can just say, oh, I don't want to go to jail. Let me go into drug court. These are programs that the county attorney or their staff has to agree to put them in.
1: A large portion of the rest of the criminal justice system is administered at the county level.
3: We also have adult diversion and we have juvenile diversion programs. And again, things that just require people to make restitution, require them to do community service. They have a chance to get their record wiped clean. They get a chance for a fresh start.
1: Across the country, a lot of district attorneys or county attorneys run unopposed. So your vote does matter if there are certain kinds of changes you want to see at the local level. In recent years, because of these alternative sentencing programs, the number of inmates at the Grafton County Jail has actually gone down.
3: Our population at the Department of Corrections has gone from the 90s and 100 plus, down to 60. Um, so we just don't have the number of inmates. And unfortunately, that doesn't translate to a big cost savings, because we still need to run the same number of units. So we still need the same number of corrections officers. It, it just means we have this, almost the same expense for fewer people.
1: There's one more elected position that's vital to a county's criminal justice system the sheriff. It's a partisan position because, as it's written in state law, all county office positions are partisan. You have to pick which party you're representing. Other parts of the country do have nonpartisan county positions. Grafton's sheriff through 2018 was a Republican, and last November, he lost to a Democratic challenger. The sheriff is in charge of a few things, transporting prisoners to court, apprehending folks who are indicted, and serving civil proceedings, so a summons for court, for example. In Grafton, the sheriff's department also oversees a dispatch call center, which handles emergency calls for more than 50 communities. In some states, especially the further west you go, folks can tell you which county they're from, In my middle school, we had to fill out a map of all the counties in central Illinois. And oftentimes further west, counties have more power. For example, some counties run the public school system. Others have the power to make laws or ordinances. Some run libraries and public parks. Most of those responsibilities, though, in New Hampshire are left to the town or the state. And that might be more visible to the average New Hampshire resident than what happens at the county level.
3: Um, if you have questions, call your call your county commissioner. Call any one of us. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say don't call me unless you're in my district. Call me, I, I don't care. If you're in Grafton County and you have a question or you have a concern, call me. Uh, call one of the other commissioners. Uh, make us earn our money, we work for you.
1: For a lot of folks, the county is just out of sight, out of mind. But so much is happening at this level of government. Decisions get made about how we take care of the elderly and sentencing in the criminal justice system, among other programs. Knowing who's running these institutions is important, then, when you head to the polls. But if you have questions, concerns, issues that you want the county to take up or listen to, just give Linda a call.
0: Daniela Ellie is a producer here at NHPR. Word of Mouth is created by Daniela, me, Ben Henry, Justine Paradise, and Jimmy Gutierrez. Our executive producer is Erica Janik. The story you just heard is from our series called Civics 101. You can hear more at civics101podcast.org.